Good morning. <clears throat> Happy Easter. Woo! Oh, what a privilege to be up here today of all days. I mean, every day is Resurrection Day, right? But still, super privileged. Um, we had such a precious time together on Friday evening. Um, it was really a really beautiful time. Uh, of worship and reflection as we just created space to remember what Jesus went through on our behalf and just to thank him and let our love and our gratitude just overflow. Um, it, was, it was powerful and it was poignant and it's definitely going to be something that we're going to continue doing each year. So if you didn't make it this time, there's always next time. Um, and uh, What I'm so grateful for is that that first Good Friday uh, wasn't the end of the story. I love this quote from Bob Goff. He says, Darkness fell, his friends scattered, hope seemed lost, but heaven just started counting to three. Whew. Yeah. Uh, So... We are, we're going to spend a bit of time uh, in the book of John this morning. I'm afraid I've got no slides for you, so it's just me. I'm just extra nice just to make up for the lack of slides. Oh. Um, so yeah, we're going to spend some time in the book of John, uh, where John writes about what happened on the day that Jesus rose from the dead. And as I was praying about what to uh, speak about this morning, earlier in the week, God dropped a song in my head um, that we have sung before. Um, and you may recognize it. When you walk into the room, everything changes. Darkness starts to tremble at the light that you bring, and so on. And so that's what we're going to look at today, at what happens when the risen Jesus walks into the room. Yes, because <laughs> yes, he's alive. He's alive. And he's alive to walk into the room, this room, any other room that you may find yourselves in. He is alive to walk into the room. And he continues to be, want to be among us, in the midst of us, in the middle of us. Uh, so we are going to start reading from John chapter 20, from verse 19. So grab your Bibles or your device, smartphone, tablet, whatever, Turn to John chapter uh, 20, verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. I bet they were. (laughs) Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of anyone they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from anyone, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. 
But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. (laughs) Eight days later, his disciples were inside again and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Oh, it's good. So... I want to draw out three, just out of this, just three things that happens when the risen Jesus walks into the room. And the first thing is this, he releases peace. So when Jesus died on the cross, he paid full price, full price for every wrong thing that we have ever done and that we will ever do. For every way since the Garden of Eden that we have stuck like two fingers up at God and then dealt with the consequences. And the consequences of our rebellion and our sin against God was death. It was death in our bodies, it was death in our minds, as well as a separation, a wedge that, was, that we'd driven between us and our Heavenly Father. And the only way that we could hope to get closer to God was through obeying the law of God which was done just through our very best efforts, literally just doing our best. And in the Old Testament, the law was brought in as a framework to help us live as close to God's standard of right living as possible, which in turn led us to realize how utterly impossible it is in our own effort. Literally, just can't do it. You just need to open your eyes in the morning and (laughs) failed. (laughs) This was part of the point of the law to help bring us to a realization that we needed a permanent solution that would bring us back into a relationship with God. We needed saving. We sang it this morning. Our sin was heavy. We needed saving. So because God loved us, because God loved us, because God loved you, he sent his son Jesus. So Jesus lived a completely perfect life without fault, without blame, no hint of selfishness or or pride. He lived in complete togetherness with God. And then when he went to the cross, it was so that he could make an exchange with all of humanity, his life for ours. His perfection for our guilt. (coughs) His complete togetherness with God for our rebellion. It was the greatest, most generous exchange that has ever been made. There was and has been no greater expression of love. I'll say that again. There was and there has been no greater expression of love. He took every punishment 
that we deserved for our poor choices, every ounce of shame he took our broken relationship with Father God, every single wrong thing that we have done and said and thought and will do and say and think. And he said, here's the deal, I'll give my life instead. You can have my beautiful relationship with the Father where I am wholly accepted and loved You can have the weight of of sin and rebellion lifted off of you completely so that you can walk straight into the presence of God with your head held high because you have been reinstated as a son and a daughter. This deal was called a covenant. This deal was made legal by the shedding of Jesus' blood. Isaiah 53 verse 5 says this, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. The message version says it like this, He took the punishment and made us whole. And that is what peace is. It is wholeness. It is completeness that comes from being at peace with God. And Jesus bought that for us while we were still enemies with God. We hadn't even arranged a truce. Like there was no ceasefire. We were still, on, still full on enemies with God. Jesus restored us back into a peaceful relationship with God. This is, this is why Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. This was the assignment that he had. He carried the authority to bring us peace as part of who he is. Jesus didn't say to his disciples, peace be in you. He didn't say to his disciples, peace be in you. He said, peace be with you. Tim Keller says, the peace of God is not the absence of fear, it is in fact his presence. The very atmosphere that accompanies Jesus when he walks into a room and released is peace, it is wholeness, it is completeness in every aspect of our lives and our connection with the Father. Now, in this passage, like clearly the disciples genuinely would have needed some reassurance. Otherwise, there would have just been total freak out, right? I mean, like the doors were locked and Jesus is suddenly among them. That would, yeah, I th- I'd, I'd think I'd freak out. So I think they had a legitimate need for peace in that moment. But Jesus says it to them twice. And I think there's something in that. Jesus knows that when he walks into a room full of people who are in panic, in a state of trauma, feeling ashamed for abandoning him and running away when he was arrested, I think Jesus' heart was not just to make sure that they didn't freak out, but so that he could bring their hearts and their bodies and their souls into wholeness and completeness in relationship with him. And you can see this the second time that he speaks to them. Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. So the resurrected Jesus walks into the room, he releases his peace, and he declares in the same way that I have close relationship with the Father, that he trusts me, 
to represent him with my life, so also you, the ones who deserted me, the ones who ran away, you have been brought back into close relationship and peaceful relationship with the Father, and you are trusted to represent me with your life. There's nothing quite like being told you are trusted. It just brings like an ease in being able to be like, oh, I'm okay. The second thing that happens when the risen Jesus walks into the room is he releases pneuma life. If you look at verse 22, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of anyone, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from anyone, it is withheld. He breathed on them. There there is such a beautiful mirroring here with the creation story. Um, The Greek word used um, for the word breathe is the same word used in the translation um, of Genesis 2 verse 7 where God formed man out of dust and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So when Jesus walks into the room, he releases new life. He releases resurrection life. He breathes it on us. When Jesus walks into the room, he breathes on what is dead, and he releases pneuma, the Holy Spirit, the breath of life from the very lungs of the creator of the universe. And he brings it back to life. And the good news that we are celebrating today is that Jesus didn't stay dead. Yeah. (laughs) He overcame death, swallowed it up in victory. He is our living hope. He's not our dead hope. He's our living hope. He was raised back to life so that we too could walk in newness of life. As Romans 6 says, you are made alive in Jesus and you are made a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Let Jesus breathe on you, the Holy Spirit. In 1 Peter 3 verse 18, it says, Christ suffered and died for sins once and for all, the innocent for the guilty to bring you near to God by his body being put to death and being raised to life by the Spirit. We've not been made alive for our own benefit. If we look at what Jesus says after he declares peace over them and after, um, yeah, after he declares peace over them, he gives them an assignment. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Jesus is affirming them in their new identity. He's saying in the same way that the Father sent me as a son, so I am sending you as sons. Go and tell people that the old has gone, the new has come. Receive the Holy Spirit, that same spirit, the same power that raised him from the dead. He's saying, receive it as confirmation of your new identity. Receive the Holy Spirit as your confirmation of your authority as a son and as a daughter to declare the forgiveness of Jesus over everybody and see them set free. 
see them walking in Numa life. We have been made alive in Jesus for Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.15 says this, Those who live should no longer live self-absorbed lives, but lives that are poured out for him. The one who died for us and now lives again. When you really stop and think about it and, and stand in the, in the enormity of what Jesus has done for us, it seems like such a very little thing. It's like almost pitifully small. Like, that we, we, Why wouldn't we pour our lives out for him? Why wouldn't we? And the third thing that happens when Jesus walks into the room is he seeks out the skeptic. So um, Thomas, um, Jesus' disciple, he'd spent three years living really closely with Jesus. He'd witnessed so many miracles, including Jesus' power to raise people from the dead. And um, earlier in the book of John, when Jesus had heard that his friend Lazarus had died, he insisted with his disciples that they must return to Judea. And the last time that Jesus... Jesus and his disciples had uh, been there, the people were getting, they were ready to stone Jesus. And his disciples were pulling him back, saying, no, no, we, we really shouldn't go. And Thomas is the one who is recorded in, speak, in speaking to the rest of the disciples and saying, let us go that we may die with him. So this man, Thomas, is a man of great courage and conviction who has experienced life with Jesus and who's just prepared to give everything for him, his own life. So I don't think that he's sitting, listening to the disciples, telling him that they have seen Jesus and being like belligerent or stubborn for the sake of it. Or even petty, we're like, well, you got to see him and I didn't. I wonder how much of Thomas's state of hopelessness after Jesus was crucified has given way to unbelief. And the way that I have read this is that Thomas is saying, I have to see with my own eyes. I have to see with my own eyes the, the wounds in his hands and his side. I have to touch them with my own hands. I have to experience for myself that this man who I have loved and I have given my life to follow, who was so brutally killed in front of me, I have to experience him as alive. I have to know that this is real. And Jesus walks into the room especially for him. Especially for him. He was the only one missing, as far as we can tell. He was the only one not there. And Jesus walks into the room, especially for him. He knew exactly what Thomas wanted. He knew exactly what Thomas needed. And he was willing and he was proactive in engaging Thomas in his unbelief and in his search for a meaningful encounter with the resurrected Jesus. If Jesus came into the room, especially for Thomas, he will come into the room 
especially for you. He will come into the room especially for you. The grave could not hold him. Walls and locked doors can't hold him back. When Jesus walks into the room, anything can happen and everything can change. And Jesus is alive so that he can encounter you right now. He is alive to encounter you right now and he is so willing. He is so proactive. And he will walk into the room especially just to engage with you. Just to meet you. And Jesus knew it would be so much harder to believe without seeing, but just as Jesus was then, he is in the room right now, especially for you, and he's saying, do not disbelieve, but believe. The heavens are roaring, the praise of his glory, because he is raised to life again. The heavens are roaring, the praise of his glory because he is raised to life again. Shall we stand? Thanks for listening to our podcast today and we hope you enjoyed it. For more information, visit ashfordvineyard.org or maybe drop into something if you're nearby. In the meantime, have a great week and know just how loved you are.